What's happening, guys? Welcome to Mentality Podcast. I am Stevie Ward, and this is an important podcast. This is the first of the kind, I think, for these types of podcasts. This is a short story. This is the first ever Mentality published podcast short story by the man Robert Molyneux. This podcast for me represents where the future of Mentality is going. I launched Mentality in the summer of 2016. It's over four years ago and to me that is madness. I cannot believe where the time goes. But I started that journey wanting to start the conversation around mental health, especially in the sporting arena. My experience with depression was back in 2014. A young lad, clueless for why I was feeling the way I did. Mentality was to find a way to start a conversation around mental health that I needed all in the hope to find some much needed answers thank you to everyone who supports mentality because we are getting to a more open and progressive place around mental health and i can certainly say that i'm understanding what human beings need to consider when we're thinking about our health and improving our experience of the world at the time of writing dark side of sport i was feeling waves of anxiety i wanted a simple remedy and to get to a point where I wouldn't suffer again. A panacea, if you like, for mental health issues. I didn't find a one-size-fits-all remedy for mental health, but what I did find was a lot of knowledge that every one of us can benefit from and can incorporate into our lives in order to look after our own mental health. Like anything for these things, though, to truly improve our lives, they have to be actions that we repeat, with discipline and consider and adapt as we grow through them. Mentality was proud to offer our Cultivate program during the national lockdown for free. We were overwhelmed by the amount of people who chose to go on that journey with us and they were able to start the journey of implementing these repeated actions that have the power to change our lives they have the power to change our lives how we look at other people how we look at ourselves the growth in the men and the women that took part in this short program was outstanding mental health isn't something that you can go out there and achieve achievements cannot buy you a lifetime of contentment human beings all of us that are listening to this right now we are on a journey and the ability to feel content is also a journey. Our brains are constantly changing. Our bodies are constantly changing. They both need work, attention and care. We are in a constant flux. And with that flux, we have to continually reevaluate our mental health and what we need to do for it. How we can overcome the obstacles that inevitably will come our way. Are you aware of how much you're doing for others? Are you aware of how much time you spend being grateful? How much time do you spend being mindful and not hostage to your thoughts? How many times do you dare to be vulnerable? Since 2016, when I fully decided to step into my life, I have realised this fascinating journey. There is a lot of suffering in life. Buddha says life is suffering. And there are so many things that you cannot control in life. Equally, you can't control how life and circumstances in life initially affects you but you can learn how to deal with it and grow from it after the cultivate program i took a few people through a personal leadership course to be a leader of a team an organization or family you need to know how to lead yourself 
How do we lead ourselves through tough situations? You need to know what works for you. You need to know what makes you happy, not what society tells you that'll make you happy, but you as in a unique individual. What will give you the confidence to do it? This, of course, comes with experience, with trial and error, but when supported and shown the place to look, it can be a lot easier, and you can trust me on that. One of the guys who took up the personal leadership course was Robert Molyneux, a character to say the least. Robert is in his 50s and completed every minute of the Cultivate program and the personal leadership program. He felt like he wanted to go further in life and not further in life in the way society pushes on us. Instead, he wanted to work more within his values and behaviours. And after stoking the fire a little, together we devised a goal for him to motivate him through the next three months. Robert mentioned that he dabbled a little bit in some creative writing and enjoyed it, but never stuck to it. So, it was set. Robert was to work with us to step out of his comfort zone, to expand his comfort zone and write a short story. Robert is now writing every day. He is part of the Mentality Accountability Group and repeating the actions to hone his mental health, just like we showed him, just what we went through on the personal leadership, but he's improving all the time. The goal that Robert had allowed Robert to forge two of his passions together, and that is mental health and writing. It was a goal designed not to be about the achievement, but more to be about unlocking creativity, nudging someone to be comfortable in a space of vulnerability, and develop on their quest to understand their own mental health with an acceptance and understanding of where they are right now. This goal has grown into our latest podcast. It is the first mentality published short story read by the man himself, Robert Molyneux. It's totally blown us away. The story is totally blown us away. I felt such pride along the course with Robert throughout the conversations that we had. And when he read this short story, it did blow me away. And I felt a surge of pride and, and a surge of respect for Robert too. A massive well done to Robert. This is a huge achievement, but an even greater journey. Please check out the podcast and help us celebrate this incredible achievement. If you are interested in taking part of your own personal leadership course, please email me at stevie at mentalitymagazine.com. I'll be starting courses back up in January, which is the best time for anything like this, I feel. Please email stevie at mentalitymagazine.com to get onto the waiting list. Put your subject as personal leadership and tell me why you would like to be added onto the list to get notified first and to join our leadership community. Take care, guys, and enjoy the incredible Robert Molyneux. I like words, and I like the accuracy they can bring. A dart going in a double. If I don't really know a word, I like to look it up with an online dictionary. Part of being an uptight, laid-back type, I guess. So, panic attack. It's obvious. Two words we all know. But what do we know? Fuck all if you've not had one. 
absolutely fuck all. Somehow, by putting these two powerful words together, they've lost something. Not heart attack or shark attack though. Massive attack? Well, they were something different. Completely different. 1991 with Unfinished Symphony. And in 98, Teardrop. That's had 142 million players on Spotify now. Before you were born, you could give them a listen. Anyway, with the other two attacks, there's usually a big scar involved, or a missing limb, or worse. But what are the signs you've had a panic attack? There aren't any. Nothing. Like nearly all mental health problems, a panic attack leaves no obvious trace. No smoking gun. I've been around mental suffering as a professional, a salaried, trained and naive nurse. And then it was my turn. The boot was on the other foot. I swapped my badge and, alright, confident corridor walk for a single room in an acute admission ward. And silence. But that was a long time ago. So what was I doing now, having a bloody panic attack? Scrolling down from the online dictionary helps a bit more. Putting the dartboard in focus with the words divorce and life stress written round the edge with Wimmore. Thunk. A bullseye. It was a sunny Sunday morning, early spring, but not so early the birds and the blossom hadn't got their shit together. It was beautiful walking down that lane, to start with, and I was feeling, okay, I'd not ever done it last night. Very cautious, in fact, very respectful, as a sofa surfer should be. Couple of drinks, that's all. I'm all for following good advice, and I was maintaining a low profile, a light-touch guest status at a friend's house. Friends. I hardly knew them. We'd only ever seen each other in the pub. But when I blabbed the whole shit show out to John, he immediately offered me a room in his house. So not really sofa surfing then, was I? I like the phrase, though. I didn't even spend much time in their lounge. I was the ghost, as they put it. Out early, back quietly. Had my own keys. Quick, hello? and off upstairs and bedtime. Night. Maybe a quick chat on Messenger if I was lucky. Then out like a light, usually. So that was good too. But I had started waking up early. They had deep carpets, pale. And I'd worked out where the creaky floorboards were. Considerate. That's me. Zippity-doo-dah. Down our lane? No, not really. And that's how the panic train managed to leave the station. A train of thought going the wrong way down a single track, ignoring all the signals. My dad loved all this. This nature stuff. This life. How long was it now? Two years in September. His birthday's soon. 
It's quiet on the main road. Too quiet. Get the headphones out. The first time I got Spotify. Jesus. Just stared at it. All that music. Why have you got so many playlists, Dad? Some have only got like two songs on them. Much easier to answer than the early years bath time bombshell. What happens when we die? Or the drive time special? Why do I need to go to school? Are you going to be homeless? That was a choker though. Straight after the big divorce chat. Round the kitchen table of course. No. I go for a recent favourite, Tiny Leaves, You'll Be Okay. It's been serving me well. Bit emotional perhaps. Only 39,000 odd plays for the instrumental version at the time of writing. But a good shaving tune. Contemplative. The delicate melody is carried by a piano and chopping chords of an acoustic guitar. With almost a whispered male vocal. You'll be okay. You'll be okay. But it's all wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. The train's gathering speed now, and the driver's eyes are straying from the track. Shuffling in his seat, he looks down, reaching for his haversack to see what his loving wife's put in his lunchbox. The piano's notes tighten around my throat and are shortening my breath. Lots of right pedal used there to sustain each note. To hold and build. An eerie and uneasy anxiety builds inside me. This time last weekend. I stop the music. The road arcs up to a long parade of shops. The high street. Because I'm off to my sitting room. My garage. It is really quiet. It's not even seven o'clock, that's why. I'm up and out earlier than I thought. Much earlier. Keep walking. It's half a century since the heyday round here. I get this hot rush, not a hot flush. Stand aside, ladies. The surprise tears. Bottom lip and the classic tell, my chin's going. It always does for the big stuff I never want to let out. Almost loitering at the corner of Warwick. Two mates live down there. This isn't for them though. They've got kids and wives and it's the weekend. I'm starting to lose my grip too on a nice piece of kitchen worktop. Always deceptively heavy. Picked it up from the railings by the crossing. It'll be just right. Sit over the washing machine in the flat. Push on. Fucking hell, it's all gone a bit dramatic. I'm blowing heavily and worried about being conspicuous, struggling up the cul-de-sac with this chunky bit of timber and tears in my eyes. A real man wouldn't keep putting it down like this. One last effort. Focus on the grey door. The grimace that came with the strongman impression lingers in my face long after the event is over. 
and the door is down behind me. Not Carmen in here, though. It's chaos. A fucked-up feng shui consumes me. Sorry about all this. I edge sideways along the brick walls. Laughing stock. Almost everything I own is in here. Possessions. My stinging eyes follow a jagged outline to the far window and through to the garden. I used to sit in that garden. I used to. You know you can't go back once you've left, don't you? Yes, Mum. I notice the drop handlebars of my bike, buried under a long clothes rail of shameless shirts, coats and blunted suits. I nearly topple a stack of odd-shaped boxes, big frames of real art, little frames of loved ones dead and alive, all boxed up. Boxed up books, boxed up... What's in that one? Vinyl. Two stereos. Boxed. There's lots of chairs, legs going everywhere, so I can't take one. They're tossed off, upturned, underachievements, unfinished projects. I'm mouth-breathing loudly, and trying to steady myself through this horrible new... getting ready for something. Or at least my body is. My mind is elsewhere. The solid wooden bench. Not enough room to put my hand out on it. Not much floor to see to get a bearing off either. Black bin bags of loose stuff. Crap clothes. Crap I was keeping. Crap I was chucking. Crap I didn't know if I was keeping or chucking. Coming or going. I wanted to let it go in here. The family freezer that stood tall all along shuddered, tut-tutting. I was a howling, muted, blubbering mess amongst the mess, and still the right side of my face stayed stuck, locked out. It wouldn't let go of me. I'd seen people who'd suffered a stroke. I'd watched them. I'd washed them. I was... Was I having a stroke? Now. Was I going back to hospital? I wasn't mad again, was I? I had the fear. Caps lock. F-E-A-R. And I needed that second opinion again. Do it. I had to call a friend. I no longer cared what time it was. Call Ben. Call him. No answer. When you're crying, really crying, there's that huge relief afterwards, like when you've been sick. The ugh moment. You're cleansed, purged. You can put yourself up and get your face out of the loo. Well, I'd been crying, really crying for a while now, but I was still head down underwater, in the wave with no breath left. And there were more waves coming. Cheese sarnies again, eh? The impact of the train crash was slow to hit me. I didn't like to travel in the front carriage, the one with the loo. It's sometimes a bit stinky. Had I shit myself? Was I dying? Was it my heart? I felt my phone go. It was Ben calling me back. 
to save me. I was a little boy whose new game, Strangle Yourself, had gone too far. And I'd just been caught. When you see a mate's been calling you early on a Sunday morning, you know it's not normally good. I could sense that there's this huge tension in him. He's been going through a lot, but he was making sense, so I, I just went with that and let him know. What's happening? You've got to listen to me, Ben. Yes, I'm listening. Somehow I was talking, but out loud now, and I started pushing it, almost confident that I'd found just enough room in this garage to suddenly express myself. And it all fell out of me pretty quickly. From little boy to cement lawyer with the mixer going, the chute unfolded, and down it came. The lot. Everything. Everything I hadn't dared say. Dared to admit that I was scared, that I was sad, that I was ashamed, that I was sorry I'd failed in a marriage, that last weekend I'd nearly fucked up another relationship, and quick style too. But maybe, just maybe I hadn't. And it was all okay. I had good friends. Family. And I was relieved now too. I was free from all that manning up. I could hear Ben crying. Sounds like you've had a panic attack, Bob. It had a name. What about my face? Stress, isn't it? The spell was broken. All that power and control, it had gone. They're not letting go. And the fight with all those words and emotions was finished. Even if you pass out, it'll be alright. You won't die. You'll keep on breathing. <sighs> Thanks, mate. Although absolutely true, it was like the best joke we'd shared in ages. The much-needed emotion-riddled rant was over. And it was time to start a conversation. So we took turns whilst I noticed my breathing got steadier. And we talked about a plan. No, bollocks. I'm, I'm not going to A&E. It'll be full of Sunday League footballers. Not yet it won't, Bobby. Nah, I'm, I'm not going. I'm all right now. I'll try and go and see that cruise woman this week. Yeah, she said I could always get back in touch. The grief therapist, you know. She was all right. And I don't need any pills either. I heard words coming out almost normal now. No more big drama. We were ready to go and have the post-match press conference. I felt composed. Yeah, change is a team sport. I was going to get some shelves and a cupboard up in that garage. Get some order in there today. And dig my bike out. Go for a little ride. Maybe the laundrette could handle my lycra. I wasn't going to subject John and Emma's machine to that ordeal. The ghost had his standards. And I promised Ben I'd tell my wife what had happened. My soon-to-be ex-wife. She'd want to know.
to look out for me, amicably. Ben talked about a tipping point and a bottle of pop. It was definitely a huge warning. I'd had too much well-meaning advice, too much crap food, too little sleep for too long. Running on empty, as they say. I'd done a bit of a swerve in my van the Friday before, reaching for a samosa in the passenger seat. Could have ended up in the crash barrier, for fuck's sakes. So there had been signs, but I'd got too tired to see them, too strung out. Me and the train driver needed to take it easy, take stock, take it later. Maybe he should have started making his own pat lunches. And I did go and see the very wonderful counsellor again. Straight after that session I felt great, lighter, and thought about treating myself to a pizza. But instead, I drove to McDonald's and did a massive dump in their loo, walked straight back out. Very gestalt, said Ben. I'm very, very grateful that I had such a good friend as Ben to call when my shit was all over my fan. He's a mate from way back, and a great guy, although once he did eat a top-of-the-range chock ice I'd been saving. Said it was past its sell-by date or something. Unforgivable. And I mean that. A massive, massive well done to Robert. I learnt so much from the guy and our communication throughout the course. Robert further inspired me to do more and to work with more people. If you guys are interested in taking part in a personal leadership course yourself, please email me at stevie at mentalitymagazine.com. I will be starting courses back up for this in January. The best time to do them. In the subject of the email, put personal leadership and tell me why you would like to get on the course. We will add you to the waiting list to get it started. Take care guys, look after yourselves, see you soon.